0: Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi everybody, I'm Sean Callahan,
1: and hi everybody, I'm Mark Shank.
0: Well, I just wanted to start the session today by just asking whether you wouldn't mind going and subscribing to the podcast. One of the things we have learnt with the you know the Apple environment and iTunes and, and, and even on the other systems out there, it's really important for people to subscribe so that other people can discover it. You know, the, the engine that's helping people select podcasts to listen to seems to take a lot of notice of subscriptions. And, you know, and if you feel like it, it'd be great if you um, jumped on and, and gave us a, you know a nice review of some star star rating and all that sort of stuff just helps people find the podcast we just want to make sure that as many people who might find this useful and interesting can actually discover us with that said i'm going to just throw straight over to mark i believe he's got a a story for us
1: indeed indeed I, i'm pretty sure you knew that by the way just just <laughs> as an fyi <laughs> Yeah, I think they did. Um, all right, you'll be pleased to know this is not a cycling story.
0: Yeah, we've had a run of cycling stories, haven't we? Anyway,
1: we did, good. We did. Good, we did. no cycling. So this is about swimming. And uh, 2013, a 64 year old woman called Diana Nyad she became the first person ever to swim nonstop from Cuba to Florida or Cuba to the US without a shark cage. So it been done a couple of times with shark cages. Uh-huh. Um, she was the first person to do it. Now it's 110 miles and that's 177 kilometers. Mate, driving 177 kilometers takes, you know, wears you out, let alone swimming nonstop. She's not even allowed to hang onto the boat, right? So that's, yeah. so they can hand her food and water, but she can't hang onto the boat. How many hours is that?
0: Like how long is well, it, she, it
1: took her 53 hours nonstop. Right, And yeah, I I find it kind of amazing jumps in the water in Florida. Ah, sorry. In, uh, in Cuba and for two and a bit days, just swims. I can't even, I can't even conceive it anyway. So, and she's 64. It's quite a feat to do this. So she's got all this equipment on, um, because there's a whole bunch of factors that make that a really, really difficult swim. So, uh, weather is one. So it's, uh, you know, Squalls, wind, currents. Uh, but, but some of the big stuff to worry about are jellyfish and sharks. So she's found it without a shark cage. And one of the, they had a little uh, electric, uh, a faint electrical field around her, which was designed to keep sharks away. And one of her support crew was a shark expert. And uh, yeah, there's what, a bunch someone of shark calls. There. Someone calls
0: out, hey, there's a shark coming. Is that what they do? <laughs> The shark expert,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, look, that's a bull shark. Um, mm, hope it doesn't eat it. <laughs> anyway. So, there's a bunch of different sharks in those waters, uh, the, the Florida Straits and uh, you know, lemon sharks, black tips, etc. But there's also bull sharks, and I've swum with bull sharks, I uh, dive with bull sharks in Fiji, and they are not to be messed with, they are serious uh serious sharks and uh, i think it's the the third most dangerous shark in terms of uh, human fatalities anyway so good reason to be worried about this so she's got gloves a bodysuit a special mask to cover a lot of her face so she doesn't get as stung by the jellyfish she has this team of people a number of boats and uh, they also have this really interesting piece of equipment that, that hangs off the front of one of the boats. And uh, it's like a, a rod that sticks down into the water with a trailing pole. And it's, it, it's designed to simulate the black line in a swim lane oh, so that she yep. can go in the otherwise, cause in previous attempts, she'd you know, gone way, way off course. And so 53 hours, an amazing achievement. But what I find even more amazing is that this was, this was her fifth attempt at this Mm -hmm. her first attempt was in 1978 so what's that that's nearly 50 years previous she tried 1978 twice in 2011 once in 2012 and finally cranked it in in 2013 so i think she made the furthest with the previous attempts was 41 hours in one of them she had an asthma attack she so she's also an asthmatic anyway point is but she gets out of the water after completing this amazing swim and there's a tv crew waiting and they're interviewing her and she's kind of having difficulty talking because she's been swimming for 53 hours tell us about this and she goes well so first thing is you you're never too old to follow your dreams you know i've tried this four previous times so yep. uh, don't ever give up and the final message is this might look like a solitary sport but i got 35 people a whole bunch of boats this is not possible without those guys guiding me, you know, taking me through the currents and the, and the, the rips and keeping away from swarms of jellyfish, etc. So uh, it's totally a team sport. So uh, for me, a great example of, of persistence and teamwork. Yeah.
0: Wow. Love it. That's great. And um, yeah, I, I wonder if she's got the uh, feeling that she's now done it and she doesn't have to uh, jump in and, and do a, a long swim uh, it's interesting. I wonder, I wonder if people who have that drive, you know, to do it five times is them thinking it the sixth time. What do you reckon? Uh, uh,
1: there's, uh, there's no evidence that she's going for, for trying six. to do it again. <laughs> no, no. But probably, I was uh, doing some reading about uh, uh, it's, it's really not age or physical condition. That is the prime determinant of success on something that is as crazy endurance as this. It's much more about phys- uh, about mental strength. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can so be a, a, a young fit, a young fit person in the prime of your life. Uh, but a 64 year old uh, with a really, really, you know, strong mental attitude, uh, is the one who, who, uh, who gets it.
0: So Mark, what do you reckon? Um, that, that's a terrific story. Let's, let's talk about the things that we like about this story. Right. Um, I think for me, um, you know it immediately conjures images so you know i'm imagining this woman jumping into into the water you know heading off on the swim she's got all the gear on she's got the wetsuit she's got the the amazing face mask uh so it's visual and i sort of in fact i shudder a little bit i'm thinking oh you know how i was wondering how cold the water was that was something that sort of sprung in my mind um maybe it's warm down in florida i'm not too sure um so, no, visual is certainly a big element. What about for you? What are some of the things that uh, you like about the story?
1: Uh, the persistence. That's the fact that she tried it numerous times and uh, just, you know, kept going. Yeah, um, yeah. So just, I guess, that, that mental strength to, uh, to to achieve something. So, um, I mean, it's ridiculous. 53 hours swimming. I was, I was trying to think. How far could
0: you drive in 53 hours, right? And I'm, I'm thinking that what, what, how long would it take to get across Australia? It's probably about
1: 53 hours, isn't it, if you drove straight? Oh, well, look, I used to, uh, when I was in the Air Force, so I, used to, uh, uh, I used to own the, 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 the truck fleet and send out, you know, every week uh, we had a truck go. And I think we allowed 70 hours, 70 hours to do it, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to drive. But yeah, I mean, that's with brakes, of course. Yeah. Lots of them. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's a significant like- time just to be doing one thing. Yeah. I mean, at 100 kilometres an hour non-stop, you, you know, you're, you're going to go you know, 5,300 kilometres, which is pretty much uh, coast to coast.
0: Yeah, so that'd be a pretty similar to
1: the US as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just the feat is just amazing, isn't it? Just to be able to do that. I think the the I love that element of the shark infested water, and and your experience swimming with you know bull sharks in in Bali. I think Fiji. that, yeah. it was a Fiji, was it right? Um, yeah, I think that is a nice uh, little connection you know, in that story. So that that was that was very nice. Um, I, I think also too, you know the. You know, just the, the the sort of cadence of the story, where, you know, you end up. I don't know. You're thinking about those multiple attempts. There's probably multiple, like any story, there's multiple ways of telling it. And I'm just wondering whether um, another way of telling it would be to go through each one of those attempts
1: in a very short way. So, and and I look, I I actually did think about doing it that way. So, for example, uh, in 1978, she did attempt one. Uh, yeah. swam for 42 hours, but had to give up drink to bad weather. Attempt yeah. two was 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Started 29 hours. Why and did it. you abandon that approach? Uh, because I wanted to do the achievement and then the reveal is this is not the first time.
0: Right. Okay. Right? Good.
1: Because yeah. then you, then you go, oh yeah. Well, persistence. Yeah. Cause at first it's about age and then it's about oh, persistence and teamwork. Yes. Yeah. And I think you could tell that story either way, yeah, no yeah. I suppose but one of the one of the difficulties though Sean, is that if you told it the other way, it would be harder for our listeners to tell it because you need more data right, yeah well, look
0: so maybe i mean you you could tell it just by sort of saying um, you know just start, starting off by the the seventy eight and just sort of saying that failed. You don't have to probably know all the details about why it failed, but you know.
1: Um, and I'm, I'm actually thinking Monty Python now. Why? What are you thinking? Well, attempt one, 42 hours, uh, failed due to bad weather. Attempt number two, uh, 29 hours, strong currents and winds. 41 hours on the next attempt. It's like the um, Holy Grail where he's talking about the castle. Oh, I built a castle and, it's, <laughs> and it fell down. The second one fell over and sank in the swamp. The third one stayed up. <laughs> It's the three little. It's the three pigs,
0: you know. So yeah. there's there's heritage to that style and that approach, absolutely. Yeah. So I think you know it's it's a nice, nice strong story. What about um, anything else you want to point out in terms of things you liked about it? Well,
1: I also like that it's very compressible. Yes, you know, i I, I told I've quite an expansive. Well, not not a hugely expensive version, but I, I mean I put in a whole a bunch of stuff. But you could just say, look, 2013, 64 year old lady. Swam, yeah, the, for the first time without a shark cage. Fifty-three hours, amazing achievement. But you know what? Wasn't a first time. Yes. Yeah. What about? Let's
0: let's think about things that would make this story uh, even better. I mean, I think. Well, we already talked about you know how you might retell it in a different uh, chronology. I, you know, I I don't know. I can't. Nothing's really jumping out for me in terms of how you make it. Particularly better. Does anything jump out for you? Would you do it well, a different way? Yeah. Look,
1: I, I really kind of the the ending where she got out of the water. I can picture somebody getting out of the water after fifty three hours, barely able to stand, kind of half crawling, being supported by her, by a team, and then somebody sticking a microphone. You could have.
0: Yeah, um, that's right. You could have
1: described that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's that would, that would be nice. That would be a good ending. Yeah. You know, I, like, I, I like the points that she made you know, you know, in that interview. Where she was pretty clear, particularly around the teamwork and that it looks like a solitary sport. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, but apart from that, I think I can't think of anything else that uh, uh, I particularly add. I mean, it would be great if there was some uh, part of the, of, the, of the swim where she was in danger where they had to they were thinking of um, calling it off. But, you know... Or calling her, the shark guy. Called in the shark guy. That would be good. I think that would be excellent. But we can't
1: make these things up. Just to add a little bit of drama in the middle of the story, right? Yeah, look, I haven't read a detailed account of that final swim. So it could well be that there would be bits in there that... And I'm sure there were exciting, I mean, yeah, yeah. challenging turning points that occurred during the course of the swim. But I don't know what they are. I know. I mean...
0: In a 53-hour swim, there's got to be, right? (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I was reading this um, story. I was actually reading this book called Loon Shots. Have you ever come across it? What uh, sort of shots? Loon, L-O-O-N,
1: Loon Shots. I don't even know what that is.
0: Well, it's some... I I don't know where the guy came up with the language, but it's. I think, you know, loony as in crazy. Oh, okay. People who are taking... It's about innovation, essentially, the book. But the, uh, the guy was sort of saying, you know, innovators have at least three deaths before they succeed. And, you know, and I was thinking of that as you were, uh, as you were telling that story. They were t- one of the stories they tell in that book is about the inventor or the researcher that uh, discovered uh, how, how to block cholesterol formation in the body with an enzyme that came from a, a fungus that was found in, you know, rice in a Kyoto warehouse or something like that. Um, and more or less came up with, uh, well, in, discovered statins as an as a extract from an enzyme. But he went through three deaths. You know, his first trial was a failure. Um, second trial, he tried it on rats. Turns out that rats don't actually have... Uh, the uh, bad cholesterol so he wasn't he couldn't reduce the good cholesterol. He didn't understand that difference and then the third one he tried on. Um, I think it was uh, must have been on dogs and dogs have both, you know, good and bad cholesterol and so it, w- it worked for a while so he thought he had a winner and then another study came out and discovered that um, uh, his particular uh, drug actually provi- uh, created cancer in dogs so that didn't go down too well uh then they discovered that was a false positive that they didn't actually create cancer. anyway so you know this 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 trial and error this you know persistence this it's 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 a feature of so many uh endeavors in in, in human pursuit isn't it and for those people who who stop after the first go you know you're just missing out on on the great possibilities So it's a pattern. You certainly see it as a pattern out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So interesting language that you've picked up from that. So I kind of get on the one hand, you've got a long shot. And so he's trying to create some new language. So he goes for loon shots, which is a ridiculous long shot, but I, I, the use of the word death three deaths, I mean,
0: instead of failures, that's. Yes, I know. And that came from an anecdote as well. So um, he's only using that because a research scientist, a very famous research scientist, um, in his eighties, uh, they were having, uh, they had a big long day together. He, he was a guy who ran a um, pharmaceutical company, and um, had a really long day. They'd been the guy, this researcher, had flown in from overseas somewhere. They'd worked all day. They were totally knackered. But this eighty-two-year-old researcher was still motoring along, you know. And he was sort of bemoaning the fact that he couldn't do anything more. He was just had enough. And the researcher leaned over and put his hand on his knee and sort of said, uh, son, you've got to have at least three deaths before you succeed in this business. So... That was the analogy he was sort of drawing on the
1: three deaths. So it was. Otherwise, it does sound weird. That language. It does. It it sounds. It's it's unusual terminology without the context. That's it. Yeah, exactly. But it's a a lesson for life, there, isn't it? About the importance of context. And you say something, and you've got the context in your head, and when the curse of knowledge kicks in, listener doesn't have the context, and the message either gets lost or it's uh, misinterpreted, or it sounds strange.
0: Yeah, in fact, I, I had this uh, happen to me. Um, I'm, I'm at the moment, Mark, I'm, I'm collecting stories from a big company and, on innovation, right? So innovations that sort of really going through my mind. And I've got this big spreadsheet of all the stories that we've collected. And I think it was like a, about nearly 100 stories. And, and I went through and was categorizing them. And, you know, when you get a story that's not really a story, but it's like this very high level story. It's called uh, a hint
1: of story.
0: A hint of story in it. And I, I was so I was categorizing it as high level story, right? And and then when it wasn't, when it was even worse when it was not a story, I just called an opinion, right? Anyway, my colleague Callum uh, was sort of like a anecdote circle ahead of me. And so he was starting to categorize them, and he categorized a whole bunch as high-level story. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. so when I listened to them. They weren't the worst stories. They were the best stories. That's what I
1: was about. I was just, <laughs> yep, that's where my mind went.
0: <laughs> so my, my idea of a high level, in other words, not a very good story. Uh, in his mind, he heard high level. This is like top notch. story, yep. Right? Yep. Yes. Uh, anyway, so I've got to talk to him about that. But uh, that's a, a funny little uh, misunderstanding between the two of us.
1: Right. Shall we move on and talk about how we can use this story in a business context, yeah, or how listeners can use it, yeah, it we in a And I guess the well, one of the obvious ones is if, if you've got a team that have hit a roadblock.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect one for that, isn't it? Um, especially if it's something that has happened. It happens as a regular occurrence, or but maybe it's even better the when when you hit the roadblock the first time and they get a bit shocked by it or something like that. Maybe they're a team that's just Hit it out of the park each time, and all of a sudden they've hit a roadblock. Then you tell that story.
1: I think it'd be good for that. So, when you say it's a regular occurrence, what what do you tell us more about that?
0: Well, I was just thinking, uh, you know, say if you're a team that does hit a lot of roadblocks. So, for example, this might have to fire them. (laughs) Well, maybe no, but maybe it's a context of the the system they're in. Like, it could be a highly bureaucratic company, for example. There's lots of roadblocks that are put again you know put in front of them um, uh, some of those things they they can't change so in other words you know you really have to double down on persistence in those environments if you really want something to happen you've got to look at all the different uh, alleyways and backdoors that you can find to to make it occur right Um, so it'd be a good good story to just pep them up for something like that
1: yeah, I, and yet an, a, another business application. If you've got somebody, so an individual or a team that are beavering away on something and struggling, and you see there's an opportunity for them to uh, be more collaborative, tap into other resources, other you just yes. Look. This is not a solo sport, right? That's Tell right. that story, and you go. This is a team effort. Who do you need to involve in this to be successful?
0: What are some examples of situations where, you know, there's an individual that seems to be the big winner in all this, but, but in fact, there's a whole team that sits behind them. Is there, is there something that is, you know, an analogous situation in business? Cause you know, you sort of see it in sport all the time, right? You see the sportsman out there winning, but you know that they've got a set of coaches and, and other people behind them. Um, I mean, sort of. The example is maybe you know a, a business leader of some sort, perhaps. Though you don't want to really want to make it out that way, do
1: you? Well, I don't know. tell me more.
0: Well, I'm just thinking. You know, you don't want to have a leader um, telling the story to sort of show. You, See, look, you can make me look great, and you can be my support. Oh,
1: okay, yeah, yeah, you definitely. <laughs> don't like that. I guess where my mind went was that there are there are sometimes where people take credit unduly. No. Does that happen
0: in business? I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Yeah, believe that. Um,
1: yeah right. So, well, maybe, maybe there's a, you know, if you see somebody, you know, putting their hand up for credit and not acknowledging the team, you tell that story and you go, look, she got out of the water and she knew that the only reason she made it was because of the team. That was yeah. the first thing that she pointed out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a lesson in that.
0: Yes, that's right. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's actually interesting. Oh, that's a
0: nice one. I like it. Yeah. Good.
1: Um, anything else? Oh, probably there are. I can't think of any. Where there's a, a a a team that's struggling with a really hard task, not necessarily that they've failed, but they've got something that is super super hard, a huge challenge.
0: Right, right. It's almost and like
1: that story could be used for that as well.
0: Yeah, prepare their minds. Yeah. what they have to put in to, yeah. to make it occur. So this is not a lap of the pool. This is Cuba to the U S yeah. Yeah. That'd be become a nice analogy for the, for the organization too, as they or for the team, as they talked about it.
1: Yeah. We're getting close to Florida now. And I guess another one is around, uh, planning. And so there's a saying, well, from my, uh, from my time in the air force, um, plans are nothing planning is everything Um, another way of saying it is no plan survives first contact with the enemy but you need to plan but when you enter the water you are going to face unexpected storms currents jellyfish sharks all this stuff and you don't know when or where or how bad or whatever you just need to adapt so folks yep we're going to have a plan but we're going to have to adapt I like
0: the uh, the Mike Tyson one. You know, everyone has a strategy up until they get punched in the face. <laughs> that is a yeah. That's a very good. <laughs> uh, not that you should be using him as a model of uh, good behaviour or anything like that. So, uh, oh. but yeah. Um, Okay. So what do I, what do you reckon? Let's, let's give this,
1: this baby a rating. All right. Now, so we had our 16th birthday party on Tuesday, which was quite different from 20, uh, 2019 where we had the gala uh, event uh, in the Victorian state library. We had a little zoom gathering with some of our partners and it was pointed out to Sean and I, that seven is the number.
0: Yeah, we seem to lock lock in on 7.
1: Yep. So I'm I'm in 7 avoidance mode. So let's go for it. Okay.
0: Right. Well, I'm going to
1: give this a 5. Um it's whoa, is that the lowest
0: score you've ever given? Oh, probably. I think it is the lowest score. Um I'm just yeah, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit more discerning in my score giving, you see, and and I'm thinking in reality would I tell this story? I don't know if I'm interested enough in the story for me to tell
1: it um, oh well, if it was a cycling story you'd be fine, but
0: oh I, I know a cycling story <laughs> at all um, yeah now i mean it's a it's a good it's a good story, but it's it's not going to be the one that i I pull out in a in a conversation and and to tell that story I guess it's got to do with you know interest i'm I'm not really interested that much in i don't tend to tell sporting stories that often um, maybe that's just. Whereas I'd much prefer to tell a scientist story, I think. Maybe that's, you know, or a story about a writer or something like that. But it um, just shows you your preferences, right? Yep. What about you, Mark? What are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a seven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. So it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a outstanding, but it's, uh, it's going to be a stock story.
0: A stock story. Yeah. You, th- you can see yourself pulling it out for a conference presentation. Yep. Um, when, you need- when you're going to go to, to
1: what? Well, who would you present to where you'd pull that out? Um, the uh, Well, look, if I was working with a bunch of execs who have got a really, really ambitious strategy, yep. I might pull yep. that one out.
0: Yeah, why not? Sounds good. Fantastic. Well, I think that's, that's a good place for us to finish up then, isn't it? So we've got a good story out. So anything else before we finish up, Mark?
1: Oh, just another reminder about subscribing to the podcast. It'd be fantastic if you, uh, if you wanted to do that, because as Sean says, it helps people find the podcast and it seems to be something that the Apple algorithms or the the podcast algorithms uh, look for. Yeah,
0: the podcasting gods. That's what they're after. Fantastic. Okay, well, thanks again, everyone, for listening to uh, this episode of Anecdotally Speaking. And yeah, tune in next week. Tuesday mornings is when we send it out. Probably Australian time, so you'll have to do an adjustment for uh, world, world clocks there. Um, but yeah, get uh, tune in next week for another episode of How to Put Stories to Work. Bye for now.